Zoop be praised. And bring his enemies to their knees. Zoop be praised and death to traitors. What do you have to hide that makes you rush to condemn the action of his traitors? Nothing. I, I swear. And why should I believe that? You are a better place than most to be the very traitor we are looking for. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 10 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. And Sabine. Hi. We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 10, the screenplay was done by Joe Boyle. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis were read out by Liz. Blame is thrown around on all sides after the raid on the mall as everyone rushes to plan their next move. Attempts are made to heal the divisions within the mall rats, and May unwittingly catches the attention of the Guardian. I don't like this episode. <laughs> oh, I was I was saying that. <laughs> just before just before you joined in, I was like, you know what, I hate this episode. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, just something about it. I just did not connect with it at all. I was like glazed over most of it. Um, it's a lot of the staging, the dialogue yeah. between characters. They're not having the proper discussions, asking the right questions. It's just oh yeah, staging. Oh my god, oh, the staging is so bad, and <laughs> it just gives a lot of contradictory information about what we're supposed to believe about the situation these characters are in. I'm like, I don't like it. It felt very thrown together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the staging in this because. I mean, this first scene drove me mad. All right. <clears throat> in the chaos following Celine's scream, the Guardian manages to free himself, and an entire platoon of chosen guards arrive to defend against the Gaians. Ray passes a message to the Morats through Celine before rescuing an unconscious Ebony and escaping back through the sewers while they are still open. So, panel, I hated this opening scene. Um, what did you make of the outcome of the raid, and what did you make of Bray rescuing the woman who destroyed his entire life? Bracey did not deserve that, honey. I get why you won't leave her to be killed by the Guardian, but still. Did she really deserve to be saved by you? Well, she's more useful than Celine, so... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> she is, she is. I mean, I, I, I know we need to have vir- virtuous spray, but like, come on. You could have let, just let her slide. Yeah, I mean, she was fine with leaving Amber behind. You could have left her behind. I think the setup for it is what also fails it, you know, because they made Ebony the villain and Bray and Amber's story and she's the only reason they're not together and her plan sucked and it was stupid and it doesn't match any of her motives and the fact that her motivations for being here still haven't been spelled out. So you're still saying, why are you doing anything that you're doing, Ebony? And then it's her plan to kill the Guardian, but she immediately fails, even though she has the guy. She has him dead to rights. Mm -hmm. Just poke him with the sharp end and then monologue as he chokes on his whatever. You know what I mean? Just You could still say all the things you want to say, Ebony, but make sure you poke him first. And so when you find her unconscious, you're just like, is she worthy of being saved? Because they've massacred my boy. (laughs) 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 So yeah, Bray's saving her. It just, it just doesn't have the impact it should because Mm. of what they've literally done to her in the last nine episodes, you know? And you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. It's to show us that Bray is a better man than most people are. (laughs) I know, but it's just so... (laughs) Since he has to go out of his way to save her, like... and it also doesn't help with the staging of like, where are the chosen in any given time? Like, they oh my did god, such <laughs> yes. a bad job with the camera establishing shots of where people are. So, this action scene is chaotic and nonsensical. Absolutely. So, that also doesn't help because you're just like, you know what I mean? Anybody could have picked her up because it looks like in one minute, it looks like they're being completely overwhelmed. And you're like, okay, I think this is where they are in the mall. And then the next minute, there's literally no chosen around. So saving Ebony, it's not like a, oh, I put my life on the line to save her. You know what I mean? She could have woken up and walked out on her own. It's it's just, the staging doesn't do it any favors. It's bad. 
yeah, thank you. It, it drove me crazy when the Guardian just stepped back upstairs and you see a flood of Chosen coming down and then the next scene is just one or two they're fighting against and holding off like it's a struggle. It's like, oh, it's so, it doesn't connect. It put me right off. Like you're, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, where is Lex? Where he's fighting some Chosen? Where is he standing? And you're like, okay, I see some Gaians fighting some Chosen. Where are they stand? You know what I mean? Like I just... <sighs> And it's not as if we couldn't find these places in the mall because we know it almost by heart at this point. And, mm-hmm. and it, it almost feel like some of the shots were just taken in the same place, but at separate times, you know, mm-hmm. and they think we won't notice that. And like the downstairs of the mall is not the labyrinth you're trying to paint it as. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like hiding in a different corner of us. It. Like they're all connected right next to each other. <laughs> and and someone somewhere in the middle of it like where are you like where are these people <laughs> and how on earth if the guardian was watching Tyson's room how on earth did Bray get in there so quickly with Ebony mm. it makes no sense as to mm. what, where they establish these characters are supposed to be you know like the guardians outside of Tyson's room so where is Tyson's room it's the old jewelry shop okay that's because she moved in with Lex down there right and Mm-hmm. So that's down. We know where that is. And then, so how did Bray and Ebony and Lex and Bray not? I'm sorry. How did Bray? Is he sneaking around the corner? Where is Celine supposed to be? She clearly can see the Guardian standing outside of Tyson's room. So Bray should have immediately seen what was going on with Ebony mm-hmm. and Lex. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking of the corners of the small. I know where these people must be standing. They should have seen each other. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's 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 just really silly. It's so dumb. I really bad bad staging and we're not supposed to know because it's dark and it's like i know what this mall looks like okay (laughs) yeah and so do these mall rats they've lived here without power Mm. also i just find it hard to believe that um the sewer wasn't guarded in the first place oh like i don't i don't believe that for a second that Mm -hmm. of all the places the the chosen would you know seal off the mall that they would leave this gaping hole which is like the main way the mall rats got in and out of their hideout all of the time trudy totally told you about the sewer entrance mm-hmm. and there's no way bray and them should have been able to access it the way ebony and lex got in the mall makes way more sense because they disguised themselves as chosen and walked in you know mm-hmm. like that makes sense yeah bray and his crew should have never even been able to get in the mall like <laughs> why are there no chosen guarding that end that they know that's an entrance they know that's a way to it's stupid it's so dumb I mean, yeah, we have to also talk about um, Celine's reaction to seeing Bray alive. Um, I already told you last week, no. <laughs> the, no. T- the, the touching of his face and the, you're real. And the guy, what did you make of it? <laughs> oh, Celine, Celine, are you that stupid? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, she's screaming like she's watching freaking scary movie it's it makes no sense why on earth scream i mean she, no but, but she, you know sure she, she thought he was dead fine i'll give her that but you know standing there and just going on and on with it pray you're alive come on girl you could see him right in front of you and even if he was back from the dead why on earth would you scream that loudly this is the man you always loved. Yeah, we there were better ways to alert the chosen that something was going on than like even in the horror genre, the scream that Celine let out is a joke. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there were some of my favorite classic horror movies where a character will scream like that and even then we're like, Okay, that was such an exaggerated scream. It mm. didn't match what it is they're seeing, you know, mm. or whatever. And this was just it made no sense for her to scream bloody murder like that. I mean, of all the things that Celine has seen, you know, this is not a believable reaction. I, I would have found it way more believable, believable if Celine had been there with, Oh my God, Bray, you're alive. Yeah. It would have been more believable. If she had just called out his name, mm-hmm. you know, After shouting. Sure. Bouncing up and down. Sure. Screaming in horror at seeing Bray's face. No. Because she thought it was a ghost. That's even worse. That's even worse. She thought it was a ghost. <laughs> she thought it was a ghost. That's I the... mean, it, if, if she had screamed <laughs> because she realized 
that she turned her back on everything, even though Bray told her not to, that would have been one thing. But because she thought he was a ghost? Are you kidding me? Are we really supposed to believe her hormones are so out of whack at the moment that she believed it was a ghost? Really? I've had out of whack hormones. (laughs) They don't work like that. No. no. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. They don't work like that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Her reaction is just disproportionate. It just doesn't work. (laughs) Had he been, you know, the tarantula from an earlier episode? Sure. I could validate that screaming, but this is brave for crying out loud. Then her convenient shock, so she can't give anyone any straight answers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. <sighs> I, I like your, your idea better, Sabine. If she'd like, shouted out Bray like, excitedly, and that got caught yeah. by the, the Guardian and the others, that would have been much more sense. But no, you have to have a screaming like crazy. You just... You let it slip. You're caught off guard. Because that, hmm. it's, it makes sense for her to yeah. be caught off guard, seeing someone she was literally told was dead, mm-hmm. you know, and that she's started the grieving process for, you know. But given their situation, there is a lot of uncertainty of what they can believe from the chose and all that stuff. So if she saw him and was just like shouted Bray because mm. she was surprised and excited and shocked, all of those emotions at once, and then immediately covered her mouth, because she hadn't meant to, that would be a believable way to give up mm-hmm. the game. But the scream, <laughs> come on, Victoria deserved better than that. It, yeah, it, it, it just doesn't do any favors to Salid's likability. If I am the person you think I am, why do I spend my days teaching others the divine beliefs? If Zoot himself trusted me with his child, why now do you doubt me? The fact remains. An attempt was made on my life. And as flattering as that may be, it means there has been a betrayal. The Guardian wakes Trudy to inform her that an attempt was made on his life. And that, surprise, surprise, it's all her fault, of course. Trudy is scared, but challenges the Guardian's view of her and gets him to back down. Um, yeah, way to go, Trudy. But um, what did you make of this scene? Oh, classic abuser. <laughs> oh, he's such a bully. Mm-hmm. Yep. He knows this has nothing to do with Trudy. He knows that. Like, he should be kicking himself. And I think that's what it is. I think he's pissed at mm-hmm. himself because it was his job to kill Ebony. Okay? He yep. never gave that job to anybody else. He was doing it himself. He took pride. He was the one who said, yep, she's gone. And then she corners him and almost kills him. He's mad at him, but he's got to take it out on somebody. Mm-hmm. He, know- he knows Trudy has nothing to do with any of this. Now, if he wants to be like, if he wants to just stay on the, oh, well, you're the reason Bray escaped, blah, 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 fine. But blaming her for Ebony, like, come on, Jaffa, you mm-hmm. know that there's no one to blame but you. You were the one who was supposed to kill her. You were the one who was certain she was dead, and you stopped worrying her about her from that day forth. All right? So, like, this is just bully behavior. That's all it is. He needs to take it out on somebody, and Trudy's his perfect target. I love that she finally stands up for herself a bit, though. Yes, I like that. It's, I truly enjoyed that. Just, you know, she threw it back in his face. You don't trust me, so why do you let me do this? Right. Like, I also like that it's not, it's because they're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as afraid as she is, he did bring a whole host of Chosen in the room with them. He's not going to really do anything to her when there's other people watching. She knows that by now. And even Jaffa knows that. And he's being watched by them. Look at Luke's face as he's listening to the accusations that Jaffa's laying at Trudy's feet. Even Luke doesn't agree. Even he's thinking, that doesn't make sense that you're Mm -hmm. trying to say all of this is her fault. I was there for these plans. I know who was responsible for what. How is this her fault? So you, you can almost feel like Jaffa can feel those eyes on him. And when Trudy rightfully calls him out, that's when he makes everybody leave. And you'll notice that Trudy, she backs down. Like she's, she doesn't say much more once they're alone because there's nobody to witness. There's nobody to step in. There's nobody to curb his behavior. And, and he just, he just goes on his like, oh my gosh, anybody who's been with an abuser has had them toy with you this way. They know what this feels like. The way he's just picking an argument with Trudy. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's just a trap. There's nothing Trudy can say that isn't going to piss him off. And 
it's because this is his game and she knows it. She knows like, oh, you know, I just need to survive. And but I, I when I was watching that, I was like, oh, my gosh, my stomach hurt because I remember that feeling of being like, oh, my they're it's a trap. They're laying a trap for me right now. And there's nothing I can say because this, they just want to torment me and nothing, every anything I say, they'll use against me. Uh, so, so unsettling, really well acted, but upsetting to watch. By the way, what were you and Ebony doing here? Cutting off the head of the snake. I convinced her we should take out the head honcho. She thought we'd never get close enough, but I knew we would. And she goes and stuffs it up. Well, Bray didn't seem to know anything about the plan. Well, you know me, babe. I get the notion I act. I think that's what I like best about you. Somehow still in the mall, Lex visits Tyson in disguise, explaining his presence there and making out that it was his idea to assassinate the Guardian. He asks why the Guardian was outside her room, and Tyson feigns ignorance at his motives before distracting Lex from the subject. Regardless, the two spend some time uninterrupted in bed together. Um, yeah, what did you make of Lex and Tyson's reunion in the mall? I liked it. I don't, I don't actually ever, I don't have any real problems with it, aside from the staging of how people got where they are. But aside from that, I, um, I like it. I like the moment when she's talking to Pride and Bray in her room. Um, the only thing that makes me like, it's annoying is that Bray brings Ebony to Tysan and, uh, you know, she asks, is Lex okay? But he doesn't know if Ebony is. <laughs> no, I think it's funny that he, okay, so he brought, her there for a bit of cover and to see if she was alive but Tyson doesn't actually do anything to confirm she just leans over and goes yeah she'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) if Tyson could tell at a look that Ebony was fine how did you Bray who was literally carrying her and could have felt her pulse and her body heat and her breathing (laughs) in your arms how could you not tell she was still alive right Hey, 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 come on. These are mole rats. This is the way they diagnose people. This is how they diagnosed Amber was dead. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is how they determined that Ebony's alive. So, you know, aside from that, I like that scene. And I like that the reason Tyson deliberately doesn't go with Lex, uh, Bray is because he told her her husband is there. And I, I, I just like how in tune Lex and Tyson actually are. She knows if my husband's here, he's going to come looking for me. She knows that. And that's exactly what Lex did. He stayed behind because his whole goal is to get back to his wife. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a really sweet, intuitive wow. moment between the two of them. That just made me think, what would have happened if Tyson did go with Prey? And Lex would have come to find Tyson's empty bedroom. Exactly. He would have made, you know, some dangerous assumptions and mm-hmm. might have gotten himself in some trouble thinking. He wouldn't think, oh, she must have left with the rebels. He would think they've done something to my wife. Yep. So I just, I think that was nice. Just a little insight into how well they know each other. And um, I'm glad they had their moment. I thought it was sincere and sweet. And... Uh, uh- you know, we needed that because all this other stuff just drives me crazy. <laughs> I mean, having a moment's fine, but they have, they spend time in bed together. A night. <laughs> Uninterrupted <laughs> after an assassination attempt. How? Well, that's because the Chosen were too dumb to clear the bottom floor. What are you guys doing? Somebody broke in. You yeah. don't know who these people are. You just know that people infiltrated. Why are you not clearing every room? There's, there's, the Morrats shouldn't have been able to just come out of their rooms and talk oh. to Celine. The Chosen should have been all over the place checking all their rooms. You know what I mean? That should have been like a prison where they come through and just tear your room apart to see if there's any contraband. You know, like... Come on. There's dumb and then there's dumb. I mean, dude, come on. <laughs> come on. And, he, and, and even if they wouldn't check all the mall rats' rooms, come on, Jaffa was, st- was there staring at Tyson's room. At the very least, he would have told Luke to go check on her. Oh, that was definitely really dumb. I mean, Jaffa knew which people were in that mall. So it was so weird. <laughs> obviously, you would assume they'd go to Tyson, right? I feel like there would have been an interrogation. I don't think any of the mall rats would have gotten any sleep that night. No. Because your assumption, instead of going and blaming Trudy for this just because you're mad, shouldn't your assumption be that the mall rats you have imprisoned may have been the leak? 
that they somehow got the message out. I mean, doesn't that make way more sense, Jaffa? You have been set up to be much smarter than this. They should be being interrogated, their rooms searched, all of that jazz. It makes no sense that you would walk away from the most likely culprits if there's supposed to be a traitor. Who else could have gotten the word out to these rebels out there than the Marats who regularly go out on a chain gang? Yeah. Why don't go after Trudy in that? It's not like she's been outside since they entered that mall. It's like I mean, just that scene where they all came out of the rooms and gathered around Selena Apple was just ridiculous. Like, come off it. Come off it. <laughs> <laughs> who would allow that? Not even the most dumbest prison guard would allow that. Yeah, like I'm I'm glad Tyson uh, and Lex got their night together, but realistically they should have never had the chance to have their night together. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have been safe for them to curl up in bed for hours <laughs> upon hours without, you know, Tyson's room being raided. And even if someone saw him enter that room, why on earth would no one find it strange that a chosen guard entered her room without coming out? Well, we know the Chosen have no peripheral vision. <laughs> they have no side eye and they have no hearing. We know that. <laughs> Maybe that's why Celine had to scream so loud. Because the Chosen can't hear anything below shouting range. And apparently the walls are very thick. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear anything in any other room. <laughs> and uh, with her, you know, us realizing that Tyson fully plans on playing into the Guardian's gross interest in her and recognizing that you know it's not something lex would be okay with and that because he wouldn't be okay with it that's what makes it a betrayal um and being aware of that and knowing that she's still Mm -hmm. going to take advantage of the the guardian's interest in her um i like that too you know they never try to paint paisan as not knowing that lex wouldn't be happy with this you know, regardless of whether either of them believe in monogamy or any of that, what matters is that her partner would not be okay with her mm. doing this. And that's enough that she won't even mention it to him. And she knows that that alone is betraying him. And she shows a sense of remorse and guilt, despite the fact that she's resolved to do it because she thinks it'll be for the good of everyone. Um, so that's a nice shade to Tysan mm-hmm. as a person. Because a past Tyson wouldn't have thought anything about, if she and Lex were in a relationship, she wouldn't have thought anything about sleeping with another person for whatever reason. Um, she would have been surprised if he was upset by it. Or she would have, you know, felt indignant. You don't own me. You know, my body is mine. This is a more evolved Tyson who recognizes that we are a couple. We have to have an understanding of trust with one another. And I'm about to break his. And it's not okay I feel bad about it, but I also believe it's the best thing to do to save us all, you know? So mm-hmm. that, I just thought Michelle, you know, handled that realistically. Yeah, I agree. I think both plans were good. They just got in the way of each other. Well, getting in the way is something that Bray is really good at. Bray could have left you where the Chosen had dropped you, Ebony. It's because of him that you're here now. I mean, let's start off with the plans. Like, were they actually good plans? Um, you know what? They were. I agree with Pride. Sneaking in to rescue the Mallrats, that's a better plan than trying to take out the whole Chosen. Just get their mm-hmm. leverage away. That's what you're worried about, your friends who are imprisoned. So that actually is a much more efficient plan than trying to take down the whole Chosen. Get the people that are important to you out first, because the Chosen can no longer use them as leverage against you. So, you know, like hostage negotiation, you get the hostages. That's your priority. Even if the robbers get the money, you want the hostages. You have to save them. So I actually thought that was a smart, quiet move. Just go in under darkness, get the prisoners out, get out. Uh, killing the Guardian. Fine. I don't even think that's a terrible idea. Ebony's the one who fumbled the ball on that one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, she's no one to blame but herself. She had the guy. Mm. It's nobody's fault she couldn't kill him. She could have still done it. She... <laughs> she had both hands free and he just grabbed her by the throat and she drops her weapon instead of i don't know reacting by jabbing him with it (laughs) yeah she doesn't even grab for her throat like i don't understand if she was doing that like to grab his hands to remove them from her throat but she does nothing it's like her arms don't work anymore and like her puppeteer quit on her i don't know what happened but (laughs) ebony to quote maggie why are you still talking (laughs) 
You have nothing to say here. You had the jump on this guy. No one will ever get as close to him as you were and have such a drop. And you fumbled it because you're an idiot apparently now. You're so dumb now. Come on. Like the writing for you just went immediately downhill as soon as the start, the season started. It really did. Uh, because you just don't have a brain anymore. Like it leaked out your head. I don't know what happened. So this conversation bugs me so much. One, I, again, the whole point of the conversation is just because Ebony is the obstacle between Bray and, you know, Amber. And yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hate this conversation <laughs> so much. Oh, we can't escape it, can mm. we? <laughs> mm, Plan-wise, Ebony's plan was very, you know, Ebony. It made sense for her not to think about getting out the hostages, but just getting her revenge on Java. I, I, honestly, I would have found it very odd if Ebony would have been the one to instantly say, oh, let's go get all the hostages out. Yeah, I agree with Pride. Both plans were good. Um, it's Celine who ruined it for everybody. And uh, and Ebony ruined it for herself and on and on. Mm. Um, and really, this whole conversation is here just so that Bray and uh, Amber don't have to have any deep revelations about her letting him think she was dead. That's This is why it's here. So these two don't have to have any come to Jesus moments about, you know, what Amber actually did. Ebony is a distraction from that. They can be mad at Ebony. It's all her fault we're not together. Not that Amber chose to let Bray think she was dead because she didn't trust him. We never have that conversation. She never has to apologize for that. Bray never has to reckon with the fact that my girlfriend, the love of my life, distrusted me so much that she'd rather believe this about me and pretend to be dead than break up with me. That's why Ebony's here. That's why she's the conflict. See, I would have loved to see that. Bray just having to deal with the fact that she chose to play dead over talking to him. Amber doesn't ever have to be like, you know, actually reckon with the choice she made because she didn't trust her boyfriend and the people she hurt because of that choice. Instead, she gets to just look at Ebony and say, you ruined my life. And she's like, no, you ruined your own. You, you did it. You made the choice, Amber. You made the choice to believe this BS. And it's like, they don't want Bray or Amber to ever have to do that. They don't want this relationship. This is why I can't believe in this relationship that they keep trying to sell on me. And I, I like, oh my gosh, it makes Ebony's place in the story just not fit because the only reason she's in the story is to be their conflict rather than being an autonomous unit of her own with her own mission and her own motive for that mission. She's just their accessory now. And, and Ebony deserves way more than pride. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. She deserves way more than that. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you can save your breath. You're still here. Make things more difficult, why don't you? Me? That's your specialty. I didn't come for a fight. Yeah, what'd you come for then? A gloat? A good sneer? Laugh? I don't know how you get your kicks these days, Ebony. Quite frankly, I don't care. I came to say thanks. Yeah, for what? Pulling me out. I would have done it for a dog. Um, and yeah, after she calms down, she does come back to thank an unreceptive Bray for saving her. But he bluntly tells her that he would have done the same for a dog and says they're even now. I actually like that one. <laughs> yeah. I like it. In all fairness, uh, he probably would have saved Bob. Yeah. Um, it's the only moment where I think that that works because, you know, if, if, if let's just pretend that the reason he's mad at Ebony is because she just left Amber to die. Let's pretend all the other crap didn't happen. He's just mad that he found out Ebony left Amber to die, you know, and never said anything about that. You know, um, he still have very good reason to just, I can't look at you. I, I can't look at you, you know, and yeah, we're square. You saved my life after the chosen crap. I just saved yours. I want nothing to do. I don't know what Ebony was expecting. Like, again, because she doesn't have any real motivations that make sense in all of this, I don't know what she was expecting when she walked in that room. You know, like, Ebony, do you really think you're going to make any headway with this guy? Come on. Like, make some sense. Be consistent in how you feel about anything. One minute you're indignant that he saved you. The next you're like, oh, I just wanted to say thanks. Oh, you're mad at me? Ugh. Like, she's acting like she doesn't understand why he's angry with her. You know, I, I yeah. <laughs> make it harder. Why don't you like, are you, are you serious, Ebony? 
<laughs> Did you just have the nerve <laughs> to say that to him? Especially given... I'm trying to thank you. Right? <laughs> he doesn't want your thanks. He doesn't give a crap, you know? Come on. <laughs> and yeah, it makes it worse because, again, in this canon, she did bring out Amber, leave her on the hillside, dig her grave, and convince everyone somehow that Amber was dead. That's a big crime. And you're surprised that Bray's mad at you once he found out? <laughs> what did you expect this guy to say to you? You ran away because you didn't want to confront his anger. That's why you took off, because your secret was out, and you didn't want to hear it coming from his mouth. So what do you think is going to happen now? Like, were you hoping? Were you still hoping that you'd find out he saved you for some other reason? No. Are you so blinded by your fantasy that you really thought that you were going to come in here and thank him and find out that he cares about you on some level, no matter how mad he's mad at you? Like, what did you think was going to happen, Ebony? <laughs> it's like they wrote her with Selene in mind. Yeah. <laughs> she's all over the map this season so far. I mean, she's going to eventually even out, but because of this plot line, she's a mess, the way she's written. Mm-hmm. What now? If Amber had been here, we wouldn't be in this mess. You don't know that. And you don't know Amber. She would have seen right through Trudy, even before I did. Maybe, maybe not. Well, at least she would have believed me. Nobody ever did say sorry for that, did we, Chloe? But you were right. We should have listened to you. Yeah, what did you guys agree with Chloe berating the others here? Yeah, the girl had a point. I mean, sure, she would have had a hard time convincing Amber at first, but... Yeah, I, I do think Amber would have agreed something was off. I like it and I don't. I like it because it makes sense for Chloe to say this. From her point of view, what she remembers of Amber, the mother, you know, the, the, the guiding hand that was in that mall and kept it t together. And how she felt, for example, when Amber was gone for just a weekend, how she felt the world falling apart again. She had a great dependence on Amber's steadfastness, you know, and... Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for Chloe to think this wouldn't have happened if Amber were here. Amber kept things together. She kept us a family. She made sure things ran right. You know, um, that's a view of a child looking up to a parent figure. So, yeah, I, I, I think it makes perfect sense for Chloe to believe that if Amber were here, she would have seen through Trudy or at the very least, she would have believed me when I brought it to her. She wouldn't have brushed me off. And it says a lot about how Chloe feels about her, her caregivers. I don't like it because it starts the narrative that Amber is the answer to everything. Like she's the only one who could have fixed Amber. She's the savior of this world. You know, um, hmm. I don't like that. But Chloe thinking this is fine. The narrative riding with it and basically making that the truth for their very world. I don't. <laughs> I don't like that at all. Yeah, I agree. For Chloe, it makes sense, you know, because after all, whenever Chloe brought something up, Amber would at least have taken the time to listen to her and not instantly say, no, you're just a little kid. You're crazy. And yeah, it's nice that they finally freaking apologize to this kid. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was like, good on you, Chloe, for pointing that out, that your family did not have your back and had never acknowledged this, you know, um, except for Dal. He's, I think, the only one who said something when they were all talking about mm -hmm. being fooled by Trudy. And I think he, or maybe, oh, it was somebody, somebody had acknowledged it before. Somebody did say, no, you know. I think, I think it was Dal. Uh, yeah. Chloe's uh, the only one said, who yeah. did, wasn't fooled by her. You know, sorry for not mm -hmm. listening to you. I just don't remember which one it was. So, yeah, she needed more than that, just that apology. So I'm glad they're acknowledging <laughs> once more that... It's not like uh, Trudy was hiding her crazy all that much, but you all felt too guilty about what happened to her in the first place that you didn't want to look at her too deeply. And mm -hmm. and I, I just, I like that moment of Tysan recognizing, because though staging is one thing I did like as they're walking to the field, you'll see Tysan is holding Chloe's hand. She noticed from the jump that Chloe wasn't her usual self today and was just offering this quiet support to this child the whole way there. And uh, I just... I like that moment of, you know, familial comfort and uh, Chloe didn't have to say anything. She could just see it, that she's not okay at hearing this news. It's And it's one of the more realistic re reactions to finding out Amber's alive. 
rather than just, yay, there's a, a sadness at what was lost and what could have been and almost a confusion and a bitterness over it. Like that's a realistic reaction to finding out your long dead friend is alive. Mm -hmm. Because seriously, are we going to talk about the mall rats reaction to hearing that Amber's alive? <laughs> in the notes i don't see it are we gonna I talk mean, about this <laughs> i didn't put it in but yeah go for it <laughs> what the heck <laughs> nobody okay 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 according to this lore according to what they've told us ebony dug a hole and convinced the mall rats i found amber's body i took care of her i didn't want to put you through that she's dead mm. either that that's the only truth we have to go on because they don't give us any more information of what must have happened that morning. So it had to be that Ebony did this and somehow convinced everyone that Amber's in this grave. Or they want us to believe that the grave was just there and nobody took credit for it. Either way, their reaction to hearing that Amber's alive, there are no words for how bad this is. No yeah, words. I'm, I'm out of words. <laughs> Out of completely out of words with this story. I used up my stupid uh, quota last episode, so I, I keep mm. using that word. We hashed it out quite a lot in episode eight. It's just like, yeah, we're, 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 I'm done. <laughs> Come on. Why are they so quick to accept the fact that he's alive and not questioning it? Because we, we can't. If, if we shine a little spotlight, even a little, on what happened, it will show how stupid the whole thing is. So we have to gloss, gloss over that and just talk about, oh, yeah, she's alive. Clean has a smile on her face when she's that. And it's like you were the same person who thought Bray was a ghost last night. Mm. Um, this is someone who's been dead for months. And you immediately got on the bandwagon of, she's alive. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Mm. Nobody has any questions? Mm -hmm. Now you mention it. I'm sitting here thinking, okay, if it had been Amber standing there instead of Bray in front of Celine at the beginning of this episode, if she would have been that shocked then, I might have understood it because this was someone she attended a funeral for. I'd give her a pass if it was Amber that made her scream. <laughs> yeah. Would. How on earth are they instantly? Yeah, they're glad Ember's still alive, but why is nobody questioning it? The only person who even mentions it, and it's because it's Tysan. Tysan's the only one it makes sense for her not to care about those reasons. Or Dal, you know, we know that Dal was just like, but even Dal went searching for answers, you know, like yeah. he wanted his questions answered as soon as he suspected that Amber wasn't dead. So even Dal went on a journey. <laughs> or getting his confirmation mm -hmm. and Tyson's the only other character who'd be like the why doesn't matter we should just be grateful that our friend is alive that's Tyson. but mm -hmm. everyone else everyone else is just like cool with it i don't have any questions i don't you know even remember yeah. what happened that day anymore it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and you know to be honest ellie and alice weren't there so the fact that They're they just, just like, go oh well Okay, mole rats, I get it. They're weird. Glad yeah, glad your friend's not dead. That's great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but everyone else? I would have even taken, I mean, if you're going to tell us this is all Ebony's fault, fine. You're doubling down on that. Fine. Then let the mole rats talk about the fact that Ebony convinced them of this. Show some anger that mm. they believed her. Something. Something. Yeah. Like, this is the lie. This is Ebony's the bad guy. So fine. Double down. And make the Marats have a response to the person who convinced them their friend was dead. But they have no. nothing. No, no Even nobody knew. <laughs> consequence of this. And see, that's it. It's like either Ebony did it or nobody did. Like, she never took credit for it. And they all just ran with the idea there's a grave. I don't think she ever took credit for it because Dal did not know who buried her. And that's what I'm saying. If it wasn't Ebony who convinced them, they should still have even more questions. Because it'd yeah. be like, well, then who dug the grave? What yeah. the heck? There should have been an uproar. Like, yeah. <laughs> who, where, where'd the grave right. come from? Because <laughs> it's one thing to be like, <laughs> I assumed when I saw the grave, someone else had dug it. But I was too grief-struck to even ask the questions. But now is the time to say, well, then who dug the grave? Wait a minute. Mm. How did we all and think she was dead if she's not? What the heck? Where'd the grave come from? And, and then at least start pointing fingers, you know? Because everyone who was there knew that Ebony was there. And, well, she's the easy person to blame. But no, we, we can't have any of that because it would show up how 
stupid the storyline is. So we <laughs> can't have them question it. And that's why it ends up having no real impact, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody's reacting the way you would. A normal person would react to finding out this news after the fact, after such a traumatic event happened to you. This is not how people react to this kind of news. Nope. Even if it's somebody you hated and you thought they were dead and then your somebody tells you they're alive, even then you'd still have a reaction more than, oh, wow, they're alive, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this is not how somebody responds to finding out this news. Especially not when it's someone you've lived with, shared part of your life with. <sighs> yeah. She was family to them. They were devastated when she was lost. And this is their response to finding out, oh, it turns out she was alive. Okay, That's fine. Nice. Okay, great. That's awesome. So glad. Like, Yay. So, yeah, I just needed to say that. That pissed me off so much. <laughs> like, that would have at least been somewhat cathartic because it would allow the mall rats mm. to express how the audience feels having this thrown at us that Amber's alive, you know, that could have worked, you know, and then it'd be like, okay, we're going to deal with this, but nope. And it's like, did you, did you know your story was stupid, but you still just wanted it so badly. (laughs) But you, again, as Lance pointed out, don't want any spotlights pointed at how dumb your story is. So if you knew it was stupid, (laughs) then why did you commit to it? You know, instead of writing something better, because if you know your story's good, you double down on your story. You explore it because you're like, we got something good here. Ugh, this episode. <laughs> this episode. I mean, and, yeah, since you brought it up, it, it's a small thing, but it did bug me. <laughs> like how Ellie is the one to ask if, if Lex is right about Amber. It, it just kind of felt really odd that she'd say this since she didn't even know Amber. I guess it's a fair question. I mean, you've been told by these people their friend is dead. And in your world, people don't come back from the dead. And nobody has given you any information about her death. And nobody seems to be asking the right questions now that she's supposed to be alive. I think it's fair for her to be like, are you sure that Lex knows what he's talking about? Because you guys aren't giving me much to work with. <laughs> and, and Ellie is a person who likes her details. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Like, yeah. She's asking <laughs> one more important question. That It just bugs me that it was Ellie. No, no yeah. one else. <laughs> No one else close to her asks, oh, wait, is Lex right? <laughs> is she alive? Is she actually alive? You know? <laughs> You're right. It shouldn't have been Ellie, but at least Ellie was asking a <laughs> pertinent question about this situation. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> Should have been someone else. Yeah. <laughs> she acknowledged that it was odd. Yes. At least yes. that's something. Like, how do you guys know for sure? <laughs> I mean, what, no, I love the question. It's just what yeah, happened on the mountain. You no know, <laughs> <laughs> you guys were pretty certain she was dead. So, <laughs> and someone could be like, "Oh, well, we didn't find the body." So, if Lex says she's he saw her, then it makes sense. Oh, okay, but no, we're not gonna delve into this because we know it's dumb. The writers themselves probably didn't even have it all down, like the details. They probably didn't even know what the details were because that's why we do not ever go into the details of what happened that freaking morning. Thank you for allowing me to get that off my chest. (laughs) If I should find it was you who aided my attackers, your punishment will be so terrible that you will curse the day that saw you into this world. So yeah, what do you make of the predicament that May has unwittingly placed herself in? Any sympathy for her? When will this girl ever learn? May, you've done this before. This doesn't make sense to me. You've played the chosen yes, game you. before. You know how to survive with these chosen. So why would you put yourself out there and call attention to yourself? when That must have been something you learned the last time you were with these guys. They scared you so much you left last time, May. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're, oh, I had a good time with them. I didn't know how dangerous they were. You do know. They scared you enough that you left. You ran away. You ran even though they fed you. Yeah. Why? Like, clearly, why would you test the waters with these guys? You would just keep your head down low and play the game. Like, yeah. what are you going for, May? I, yeah, due to her past experience, it doesn't make sense. Why would she do this? It doesn't connect for me. 
had it been anyone but May or anyone, you know, without her earlier experience with the Chosen, I guess I could have kind of understood why they instantly tried to play along with them, thinking that she was saying what they wanted to hear. I mean, we have seen May go out of her way to ingratiate herself with people, um, mm-hmm. but this just feels just a Again, this, this, I, I hate repeating myself, but I kind of have to. Season three is where the plot is moving the characters rather than the characters moving the plot. It doesn't make sense for May to do this. It does not make sense for her to call attention to herself, especially in front of the Guardian, someone she's very wary of and um, knows you don't want this guy's attention. She's the one who was like, we just keep our heads down and we play along and make things easier for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So... Why is May doing this? Because the plot needs her to, not because May, it makes sense for her personally. I mean, what what happens after this moment? Sure, that does make sense, May-wise. But it also makes uh, any empathy you have for her go down the drain. Yep. Because she didn't, she still didn't need to do that. Like, the natural response to the Guardian yelling at you is to shut up. I mean, Celine, oh, sorry, we're not there. But anyway, it's just, sorry. <laughs> empathy for May goes out the window for me. You know, she starts doing things that she does not actually have to do in order to survive. It's more like she's doing these things to simply enrich herself. So she goes from being just a survivor, just somebody trying to make it like everybody else and put into situations outside of her control into someone who's malicious in her intent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, Jaffa, if you're looking for a traitor, why are you looking at Trudy and the Acolytes? What about the Morats you have prisoned? What about them? <laughs> we're the most likely leaked. That's who the rebels were clearly here to say. Like, what? Jaffa, come on. If you're still rampaging like a bull in a china shop trying to find out who had something to do with your assassination, these are the wrong kids to be asking. They're the ones who are so scared they're, they're playing your game. Why don't you ask the ones who are stubbornly refusing to play your game? The ones you still have locked up for some reason. Go interrogate them. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he goes after them because he would have been in their position. What do you mean? If someone else had been in charge of the Chosen, Jaffa would have probably been one of those kids that would join and possibly betray everyone in his favor. Oh, oh, okay. So he's projecting. Yeah. Yeah, possible. Team doing that because he doesn't trust anyone because he knows he would, you know, do something similar in their situation. I don't know. He's quite, he's quite loyal. I don't know. I don't, I don't get the feel that he would have done that. I think it's an interesting thought. Definitely. Depends but I, he's loyal to. I think it still has more to do with the plot needs May to go down a certain road. So that's why the scene is here. That's how I personally feel. But um, mm-hmm. I don't think, I still think the idea that the reason he, he suspects his acolytes is because he himself, he's looking at what he might do to. Who knows who we might have betrayed mm-hmm. to get close to Zoot? You know, like, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thought about him. Um, he's definitely a shady character, so. And I also like the little detail of um, Luke, who watched Trudy be attacked last night verbally by the Guardian and clearly felt conflicted over what the Guardian was saying to her. Um, I think it's a small detail that he's the one who took over her class and he just gently says she was indisposed. Um, it says that one, he checked in on her, see how she was and clearly found her not the best space and gave her her alone time and said, I will take this on. You don't have to. I think it's a nice detail about how their relationship is evolving. Yeah, because he does seem to care for her, even if it's just an unhealthy worship that he has for her. But he was one of the first to tell her that. Not everyone agrees that the Supreme Mother should be treated that way. So yeah, I, I like it. It's fitting that Luke took over for her. I would have liked to see the number of acolytes um, increase as more and more people broke down. I feel like um, like it's only like, what, six or seven kids down there. And I, I just would have liked to every time we see the group of kids in yellow robes, there were a few more added. I think it would just have added to the storytelling mm-hmm. of what was happening outside of the mall to other slaves just giving in and saying, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'll join. I'm willing to learn about Zoot or whatever, you know, just a little detail. What if I was to tell you there's a way you can stay with the Chosen, but still stay loyal to us? I don't understand. How can I do both? 
We need someone to find out about their weaknesses, Patsy. You want me to spy? We need someone on the inside we can trust. I mean, we've talked about this a bit before when obviously Chloe was taken up to be a spy, but what do you make of them asking Patsy here to become a spy? I think that's very, very dangerous for them. Yeah, I understand it, but I do not like it. Yeah. I don't even truly understand mm. it. I get why they need inside info, but they also know how liable Patsy is. There's such a big chance of her just, you know, if she's scared, running to Trudy, telling her what's going on. That is true. I, I would have never risked that if I were them. Yeah, it's a careless, it's, it's careless for so many reasons. You know, it's one thing when Chloe volunteered. I still wouldn't have done it because she's a child. But, you know, Chloe has proven herself more capable than the rest of you. Um, but it's still, it's a kid. You're endangering a kid that you're supposed to be watching out for, not the other way around. Uh, but I at least get the Chloe decision. And Chloe's the one who stepped up and hasn't been breaking under all of this. She's held herself together remarkably well. Well, the rest of them are freaking having the vapors yeah um i mean chloe and Casey have been the strongest so far <laughs> i mean she's the girl who saw true trudy from day one oh yeah chloe makes sense even if i don't like mm -hmm. them endangering a kid patsy yeah. again it's just it feels like it's coming from a selfish childish perspective like i have to think about their ages when i think about like why they thought this was a good idea to not only endanger Patsy, but endanger a child who needs them more than they need her and who has already proven to be unreliable and easy to fool and easy to break because she's a kid. And mm. of why? Why her? You would have been better picking KC. He's a yep. con artist. He's a proven con artist. Why not pick KC? Like, and you're mm, endangering yeah. Patsy. You know, it's like you're taking advantage of her guilt and her fear. And that is not cool. So it feels borderline manipulative because they know Patsy feels super guilty and they're playing on that, you know? And again, why aren't you endangering either of yourselves? Yeah, it doesn't feel like Alice. <laughs> it doesn't, like, I can get Ellie proposing it, but I don't get, I don't feel like Alice would, have, would go for this. Like, yeah, it doesn't work for me. Is it, is it just me? This is just a hot take. When season one ended, we had a firm grasp on who these characters were. And in season two, we immediately started feeling like they weren't being written the way they'd been established. But we got used to the season two characters. Fine. This is who they are now. And once again, a new season has started and it doesn't feel like the characters are who we've been told they are. Not all of them, at least. Do you, is anyone else getting that feeling, that pattern? Or is yeah. it just me? Yeah, I, I can feel that. It's almost like the characters have to change according to what the new storyline is. You know, um, I mean, we can find rationalization for it all the time. We do. But yeah, it's just it's starting to feel like this is a pattern. We're going to see it in season four. We're going to see it in season five. It's like the beginning of the season. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> the characters aren't who we left them as, mm -hmm. you know, and Alice is a shining example of that. She doesn't feel like Alice, you know, it's such a shame though. The story is forcing the characters to do things where it should be <laughs> the other way around. Yeah. And I, I just, when I think about the things you're saying to Patsy right now and what happens to Patsy, it makes me all the more upset because mm -hmm. they're telling her she doesn't have to be afraid. They'll look out after her. They'll never let anything happen to her. And it's a lie. They do nothing to protect her and don't even have a moment to, of remorse of when they find out what happened to Patsy. Even if Patsy wasn't given a conclusive ending, they know she was taken away because she was caught spying and they don't even have a moment of like, oh my gosh, that's on us. We were the one who convinced her to do it. Nothing. Ellie doesn't even have a moment like that. She just they don't care. They don't care. Um, speaking of things you don't care about, um, later, a still angry Bray gets frustrated at a rebel meeting and Amber has to take over, but when they accidentally touch, it throws them both off balance while Pride watches on. I mean, panel, remembering Pride's talk of pledging themselves in the episode prior, 
Right, what do you make of this scene and the magnetic connection that's still there between Amber and Bray? Oh, poor Bride. Sorry, boy. There's no hope for you. <laughs> I don't like the staging of the scene either, and it feels forced. It feels like a Danny Bray moment. Um, <laughs> like, let's convince I you. I wish it was a Danny Bray moment. It just feels too forced. No. It really does. It feels, <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. Bray and Amber still have their chemistry. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that this is not a well-written scene to show it. It feels forced no it was very forced you know and um because you haven't given them an a real conflict like because the conflict between them that's keeping them apart is so ridiculous it's just i don't care i feel nothing they're both morons bray deserves to be way more angry at amber than he is Mm -hmm. um Amber should be feeling some kind of conflict or remorse over what she chose to do. The only person I feel bad for is Pride because trying to be a good guy has ruined his life. So <laughs> it's the only moment where I felt anything was like, oh, I'm sorry, Pride. This sucks. Like, she's not even trying to hide it. And I wish they had built up on that more by giving Pride and Amber more moments to explore what their relationship was. Because again, even Pride is being relegated to nothing more than an obstacle on the, like, he's just roadkill on the highway of Bramber, you know, and he deserved more than that as well. If he and Amber had this understanding and she trusts him with her life, I want to know more about this relationship. Or were you just using him, Amber? Because the way this is written... That's exactly how it feels. Pride was your personal emotional crutch, and he was easily discarded when Bray came back. And Pride deserved better, and that should have been addressed. I guess that's what I meant when I said I would have preferred it if it was a Bray and Danny moment. As in, I would have liked Danny watching Bray and Amber like that. I could have honestly enjoyed (sighs) her having to watch them together touching and going, oh, there's still that connection. Yeah, it would have had more impact because we would know what the relationship between Bray and Danny had been. Mm-hmm. So we'd really understand, wow, how she'd be feeling here. But because we don't really get to see what Pride and Amber's relationship is, he just is nothing more than an obstacle. Not a person whose heart is about to be ripped out of his chest. This is the thing about the writing, because we are told that they've, and shown that they pledged it to each other in front of the tribe, which he says is a very symbolic and important aspect of mm-hmm. the of the guidance pretty much saying that they were going to get married that free, I, that's that's mm-hmm. the mean that i got that they were pledged to each other heart and soul blah blah blah, blah. and but then that's kind of just again the writing of this season it's just kind of just slowly weeded away and it just becomes like oh that it wasn't quite what <laughs> we're gonna make them out to be and then it's, it's very weird that's it's just so weird how it's written and then discarded over the next couple of episodes Weird is putting it nicely. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to like, make a yeah. love story more complicated by external forces rather than focusing on the internal forces. Just make it about Brain Amber and their issues. But instead, let's put Ebony as an obstacle. Let's make Danny an obstacle. Let's make Pride an obstacle. And then sweep all these obstacles under the rug like they never actually mattered. So we can yeah, just. Without addressing yeah. any of it. <laughs> And it's like, they might as well not have existed. Pride might as well have never had a relationship with Amber because that's how little it actually matters in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Danny might as well have never existed because that's how little she matters in Bray's heart right now. There's no conflict for him of juggling the love and wanting to save Danny and just rediscovering Amber. There's nothing there. They might as well have never existed. Thankless roles, the both of them. So that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. Stop stressing yourself out. It's not worth it. What I need now is something that'll show him that I'm not the person that he thinks I am. Something that'll take the suspicion off me. Like what? I don't know. But something. Um, yeah, what would you make of May's decision here? Unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very desperate to get the attention away from her while meanwhile drawing more attention to herself it's a really dumb decision for may like she has no way to ensure she can actually do this the idea just popped in her head i can deliver the rebels to you okay but she has no way to even do it yet so what if yeah. you fail may this seems counterintuitive to your survival instinct mm-hmm. I, I get wanting to point his 
attention elsewhere to get the suspicion of yourself. But, you know, you should have taken a book out of Lex's page, crying out loud. Just find someone else to take the blame. See, that's what I thought she was going to do. It would have made more sense if May decided to just get on the DL. I mean, these guys are whispering their secrets in front of anybody. Um, mm -hmm. So just now that you know, you know where their minds are. You know where their heads and their hearts are. So why not, you know, you, I just see May trying to ingratiate herself a little bit more with the Marats, play both sides, glean information so she can find someone to throw under the bus. Like she can actually give Joppa yeah. someone like, oh, I found out that Tyson is regularly seeing her husband. You know what I mean? You can lay a trap or whatever. Like that feels more in mm -hmm. May's wheelhouse. Exactly. As try trying to divert attention from herself. You know, going to the Guardian only when she has something concrete she could put in front of him to deflect him from looking at her. But not this. Not this pipe dream that she has very little chance of actually delivering on. Mm -hmm. And the consequences would be dire if she failed. Like, I, that, I just don't see May looking at that risk assessment and thinking, yeah, that's worth taking. Yeah, I, I get her desperation. To do anything to get the attention off of her as quickly as he can. But, I mean, come on. She could have thrown Celine under the bus for crying out loud. I'll just be like they're conspiring together. Mm. That's exactly what I thought she was going to do. That she'd heard yeah. just tell the Guardian. I've heard them. You're looking for traitors. I heard them speaking. I heard yeah. them talking yeah. about this. You know? Just blame it on Alice. deliver the rebel leader to you. Come on. They're the ones you should be watching. Not me. I didn't know anything. I just overheard them. Like that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah, because why mm -hmm. on earth would May not throw someone like Alice under the bus? You know, or yep. Ellie for that matter. Like those are the two you got to watch, or whatever. Just yeah. I mean, I do think it's interesting that she doesn't throw Celine under the bus because it does speak to an odd. May's loyalties are strange, and I will say it's the one thing they're consistent about is that when May chooses to be loyal to someone, she will. She really will go hard for that person. The question is, you just never know who she's going to be loyal to at any given time. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the first jump, when she met Celine, she defended this child. She didn't know who she was. She didn't know she was a mall rat. She didn't know she could get anything out of it. She just decided to protect this girl and had her back. Even though there's nothing Celine was doing for, you know, May for the most part. She wasn't promised anything. She just chose. That's what she felt like doing at that given time. You know, and once she decides to go hard with the Chosen, she goes hard with the Chosen. She doesn't care who gets run over. But in the moment when she could have betrayed Celine so easily, she didn't do it. May's loyalty is very odd, but it makes her interesting. I'll give her that. But yeah, after this, May just stops being sympathetic to me. So I really felt bad for her situation, being dragged into this by the Mallrats. Um, <laughs> and being like, that sucks. She didn't deserve this, you know, but... <laughs> now I'm just like, okay, whatever your undoing is going to be, you're the you're doing it to yourself, you know. Um, or maybe no, mm. it'd be different if May had actually discussed her motivations, like more than just being afraid that the guardian's looking at her. What if she was expressing she's tired of being so small and unimportant in this world that she literally is stuck at the whims of those who are more powerful than her. At whatever decisions they make, she falls victim to their decisions. And so trying to raise herself in esteem with the Chosen is her way of trying to gain some power for herself so that she is no longer um, stuck just doing whatever the powerful person in charge says, but that she had, because that's what she ends up doing. She, you know, she's trying to ride the stairs of the Chosen, get herself more and more up, up, up there where she can be safer and safer and safer. So if her motivation was that, and she expressed that, I think May's decisions would make more sense. Being tired of just being at the bottom, mm -hmm. being in that 99% who, whatever the bigwigs of the city decide, you're just kind of stuck with it and you have no power to protect yourself or do anything about it. And just saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I thought the Marats were great, but they made some dumb choices and here I am, I'm a slave. I'm tired of scraping. I want to have that power for myself, some power over my own destiny and what happens to me. And this is how I'm going to get it by rising to the ranks of the chosen, because that's what she ends up doing. And um, but again, none of these characters are allowed to have any deep thoughts in season three or any deep discussions about how they feel or what's pushing them. They just are doing stuff. 
for the most shallow mm-hmm. reasons and their motivations change on a whim. I mean, season one may have been, it might have dragged sometimes, but because it was a character study, we really knew who these people were. We knew how they felt about things, what was motivating them, even when we hated what they were doing, because it took the time to let them express those things and share mm-hmm. what was going on in their heads. And but those days are gone. Well, that brings series three, episode 10 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast, please do send us a message on our Facebook page or on our website, thetribe.co.uk. So we see you next time for episode 11. Until then, bye. Bye. Bye.